Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. My name is Jared alongside Mr. Mavs Draft Richard Stamen. How are we doing today? Doing pretty good. I'm excited for today's uh, special episode with a special guest. You we do have a special guest. Him? Yeah, let's do it. So we got uh, we got Brandon. You might know him on Twitter at AZ Sports Zone. Uh, how are we doing today, Brandon? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. It'll be a lot of fun and it'll be nice to get some uh, non-Mavs perspective here. So uh, let's just start right there. Uh, we could talk a little uh, Phoenix Suns basketball. So I know the, the Mavs and Suns are kind of in similar boats right now in terms of their record. But, um, you know, what have what have you kind of seen so far from the Suns? Or are you excited about it? Is it uh, you think they're better than their record right now? I, I haven't had a good chance to really see them yet. Yeah, so I think both Suns Twitter and Mavs Twitter are kind of in the same same like stratosphere right now, just very uh, disappointed, frustrated. And obviously the Suns started off five and one. You know they they looked really good, and then lost a couple close games. Ended up um, on the COVID protocol for I think about a week, and that kind of like took them out of their rhythm. Then ended up losing a couple really close games to Denver in overtime, and there's some questionable calls at the end, and just kind of. Everything, everything that could go wrong went wrong in such a short amount of time that it just like really put like a dampening on the season. But um, bounce back win against Golden State last night on TNT, and they're looking to carry some any momentum they can get right now against the Dallas team that's also looking to build some momentum. So this could be one of those games that kind of shifts the season for whoever wins and whoever loses, like on the contrary. So should be an interesting game. Two completely stoppable forces collide. <laughs> yeah, someone has to win. No, so. <laughs> no. I mean, I remember the Denver played their third game in four nights on Monday against Dallas after playing, I think, what, three overtimes, two overtime periods? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's and they still beat Dallas. So that's where Dallas is right now. And I think Dallas will be playing, uh, or excuse me, Phoenix will now be playing again their third game in four nights against Dallas, um, if I'm not mistaken, because they played Wednesday too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, Last night, I mean, second of back-to-back, so. Yeah, and Dallas hasn't had any luck against any team so far in a third game in four nights, uh, which usually is a huge ingredient for schedule loss, but apparently mm-hmm. Dallas just doesn't get that memo. <laughs> yeah, this year, this year is just really weird, too. So there's no, like, the games you think are, like, easy wins. There's, like, the Suns lost to the Pistons. I mean, they're up by, they're up by 24 <laughs> and they blew the lead, so it's just. That was a that, bad game. Yeah, it's been that kind of year, so. Yeah, the schedule's definitely been weird, to say the least. A lot of the the three and four nights, the back-to-backs, and, you know, that that's kind of a, a whole other conversation. But, um, you know, obviously the last time I really watched the Suns, they were just like an absolute wagon in the in the bubble, just running through everybody. So what's, what's kind of changed to – to where because I coming into it I thought okay they're 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 definitely going to be a playoff team Booker and Aiton and then you go and you add Chris Paul you add Jay Crowder um so so what's kind of been going on that that maybe things have shifted a little bit yeah so they're the main area they've been struggling is they're building leads early and they just don't know how to play with the lead and they, they'll let teams get back in the game then they can't close the games out, which you'd think a team with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, two of like the, the best fourth quarter players in the league would be great at that. But they're still trying to figure out like 
you know, who's supposed to take over when. And it's just kind of like a chemistry thing. They're also playing at a lot slower pace than they did with uh, in the bubble because they were one of the fastest teams then. Now with Chris Paul, obviously, they're slowing everything down. They're more methodical. So I think one of their strengths is transition, and they've kind of gone away from that a little bit. So they need to find a good balance. And, yeah, just overall, they've been very competitive. They've had a ton of losses at just one call this way, one shot getting knocked down here and there, and, like, their record could look a lot different. So... Like overall, I'm not too concerned, but it's just been a draining start to the season for all Suns fans, which I'm sure Mavericks fans can relate to. Um, but yeah, it's just absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're better than their record, but at the same time, this season is so different, and like it's you can't really plan for what's ahead. So you need to win those games that um, that are you know scheduled wins or you know teams you're supposed to beat now. So later on, you could build a little bit of a, a cushion if something happens. Yeah, completely agree. And then I know Darius Arch is supposed to return tomorrow too, right? Yeah, I believe he's. they're planning on him, and campaign is still day-to-day. I'm not sure about him, but he's also a big part. So, you know, those two off their bench, along with Booker being out, has kind of hurt them a little bit too um, as they look to find continuity. Yeah, and I know random guys that should not kill the Mavs kill the Mavs all the time. So I'm hoping that doesn't end up being Frank Kaminsky. I'd rather Sarge play, kill the Mavs and just do what he needs to do, like which is normal than than Frank Kaminsky uh, with all due respect beating the Mavs. Yeah, <laughs> but, I don't I don't, uh, I don't think Frank is allowed to have back to back, you know, good games. So I think you're in luck. <laughs> That's great news. <laughs> well I know well, one thing that I noticed uh I'm sorry sorry Jared. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, one thing I noticed from uh, from the Denver series was that, like, Mikhail, I don't remember if it was both games, or I believe it was at least the Saturday game, um, that Mikhail Bridges was just in random foul trouble for almost no reason. I remember just ticky-tack fouls or just avoidable fouls. Is that something that's been happening all year, or is that something that was kind of a fluke that, ser- that series, I guess? Um, and do you think that's, like, a key? Because Luca loves strong fouls and baiting guys into cheap fouls. Uh, do you think that's something that the Suns are going to have to avoid in order to be kind of, it's like an X factor for y'all? Yeah, definitely. Uh, he's done that, I think probably twice this year. So it's not like a, like major issue, but it's in games where they're, they need him most. So he needs to just like, he's a very high IQ player. So I'm not too concerned with it. Um, I just think that game in particular, like the refs are just calling a bunch of weird ticky tack fouls that they normally don't call. And it just kind of like led to him missing like valuable time. So um, when he's on the court, he's always chasing the best player constantly. So the matchup against Luca, like you said, Luca's always looking to draw fouls. He initiates contact. He's so crafty and just like he's a master at that. So Mikel has to be careful. And I'm sure Dallas's game plan will be go straight at Mikel, get him in foul trouble, get Aiton in foul trouble, um, especially if Booker's out. You know, those are their two like centerpieces next to Paul. So um, that'll be an interesting matchup within the matchup to watch. Well, actually, that's what I was going to I was going to bring up something about, you know, one of my favorite one on one matchups to watch in the NBA is Bridges and Luka, because you do have such a crafty, unique offensive player against, to me, one of the most physically gifted defensive players in the league. Um, So, yeah, I'm always looking forward to that matchup for sure. Yeah, and I remember we us two, Jared and I loved. Mikhail Bridges in 2018. That was yeah, like that was one him. of our guys that if the Mavs couldn't get 
any of the top prizes. I think he was one of our top choices too. Like we were in love with him from Villanova. So we're always, we're always Mikhail Bridger, Mikhail Bridges supporters, excuse me. Uh, so you always have that here. Um, so uh, one other thing before, uh, unless Jared, you had a question, what, um, what do you think is the best, best and most important matchup to watch uh, for this game? So I think DeAndre Ayton getting in a rhythm is probably like, you can tell early with him every game. If he starts off and it's like he's just in not any like offensive rhythm at all, it's going to be one of those long nights where he's struggling, like the confidence isn't there. Um, but if he gets off to a good start, he's shown when he's locked in, he could really change the game on both ways, um, on both sides of the floor. So I think if, you know, just seeing him get to work early against Porzingis or whoever's guarding him, um, that'll be a key matchup. And um, obviously, I think the shooting just, you know, it comes down to the three-point shooting. Both these teams love to shoot. They have, they space the floor, they move the ball a lot. So they're kind of similar in how, you know, obviously with Booker out, it's a little different. Um, but they, they have a bunch of players just surrounding the perimeter and move the ball well, and they're always looking to shoot. So I think just three-point shooting and just the, like the matchup in the bigs will be key. Well, yeah. I think he's going to have a field day, to be honest with you. I mean, <laughs> they couldn't stop Cousins. Jokic gave him fits. Uh, Aiton is, you know, a, a very high-level player as well. And, uh, again, with the shooting that, that Phoenix possesses, I, I think he's he's going to have an easy time, honestly. And Aiden killed the maps last year, too. Like, he, I think he mm-hmm. loves playing against Dallas. And in the first game of his career, yeah, Aiden, Aiden always brings it for the Mavs and Porzingis has kind of struggled. I think interior defense wise and rebounding, it's not a good recipe. Uh, that, that was what I was going to say. It was probably the most important matchup. And that really scares me. So I, uh, I'm not looking forward to that at all, which kind of leads me to my, my, what I was going to ask you predictions, uh, what you think happens in this game? Like who do you think wins key swing factors, anything like that you want to add? Uh, sun's by 30. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I honestly, right now, I'm not very confident with this team. Even if they jump out to a big lead, like they're they've just shown that they don't know how to play with one. Like last night was the first time they kind of pulled away. So hopefully they can build off that. But I think it's going to be a pretty close game. These both these teams understand how important this game is for you know their confidence moving forward. So I'm going to go. I think it's going to be within five points. I think it's going to come down to the last couple minutes. Um, I got to go for my hometown Suns, though. So <laughs> say the Suns in a close one, but uh, it's not going to shock me if it's if it flips the other direction because right now, you know, outside of that Warriors game, the Suns are not playing very good or consistent basketball for 48 minutes. So um, it'll be interesting for sure. See, what, and what's I, your prediction? I, I think teams find their rhythm and click against Dallas too much. I, I think it's a it's a big win for Phoenix. They're playing. Mavs are going to be playing it back to back, coming off of Utah. I I just I'm, I'm in the same boat. It's funny. I'm in the same boat. I have no confidence in this team now, and uh, that's literally both of our reasoning. It's like a huge part of it, but we're going the opposite directions. Uh, yeah, I think Phoenix cruises. I think it's just one of those games. Everything will click. It's just based on where both teams kind of. Uh, what's the word? Where I, I guess Phoenix just feasts. And like I feel like with Aiden. He feasts on the inside. That's the Mavs' biggest weakness right now. They have nobody who can handle a physical big. I mean, Rudy Gobert dropped 30 uh, the other night. Like, that's not It's not something you want to be said about your team. So I, I'm just, until proven otherwise, I've got Phoenix winning this pretty comfortably. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I got Phoenix probably by double digits, and I really don't want to sound like a, you know, the wheels are falling off kind of guy. Uh, I don't think they are, but I, I think it's it's just not a good matchup for Dallas, number one, and I think um, they're, they're just not playing well right now. Um, and I'm not convinced that, you know, they're, they're a particularly good team at the moment. Um, maybe once everybody really comes back and gets back into game shape, we could talk, but until that happens, um, yeah, give, give me Phoenix. I, yeah, I don't think Mavs. this is a final. <laughs> you guys, yeah, I don't the think whole this reverse jinx gone. Oh, oh God. Yeah, no, we should have. That would have been a smarter thing. You're good. I, uh, I mean, this isn't close to the final form of the Mavs. I don't think this is like what the Mavs look like for the year. This is just a super cold stretch um, that probably is just going to take up a terrible amount of time. It's been the whole month pretty much that they've been dealing with COVID protocols. And now that it seems like they're kind of out of the clear, and a lot of other teams clearly are, there's only one new COVID case this week. Um, I think that's when you're going to start seeing the Mavs play a little better. I don't think they play Phoenix for a little bit after. I could be wrong on that, but because I haven't looked at the schedule. But um, maybe the next time that comes around, we'll have different <laughs> different perspectives yeah. on where we are. So. <laughs> All right, should we uh, should we move to to some college basketball from this past week? Yeah, an area we're a little bit more confident in altogether. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so there were a few good games this weekend. We we talked about some different games that you guys had seen. Uh, to be honest with you, I I was catching bits and pieces here and there of a bunch of different games, but by and large, I had a lot of housework that I had to do this past weekend. Um, so with that in mind, I figure why don't we start with the Kentucky Bama game. Uh, we've, we've talked about the Kentucky prospects quite a bit, uh, you and me, Richard, but it'd be nice to hear from um, from Brandon as well and just give a different perspective. And then obviously Bama's got some guys as well. So, um, Brandon, as you were watching this game, um, you know, Alabama ended up winning by 11. Um, but but what kind of stuck out to you from, from that game in particular? Um, I think just in general, how dangerous Alabama is, like even when they're not really clicking offensively, you know, Nate Oates, I think he's probably done the best coaching job in America this year. And um, just seeing him, I think they went on a 10 run at one point late in the game to kind of to ice it. And, you know, they just have so many weapons offensively and Kentucky, like they're just a very young team, too. So I think Alabama knew, like, despite their struggles um, by their standards offensively in the first, you know, 30 minutes or so that th- they had a chance to win that game and they closed it out like it was nothing. And um, just I, I just really like Alabama's team from top to bottom and just the way they play. Like if you're a guard recruit, you should go play for Nate Oates like 100 percent. It's just look, it looks fun. And I think see, like NBA teams are going to eventually start to reach out to him or maybe if a blue blood spot opens up, he's going to be like a top priority. So. Um, and on Kentucky's front, they're just such a weird put together team, like, and they're very young too. So I feel like it, kind of like that Duke syndrome where it's like, you know, they're better than this, but at the same time, they're so young and just like, they don't really click. They're still looking for their identity. So, you know, BJ Boston has been pretty disappointing. Um, I still do think there is something there. It's just like a confidence issue with him. So, um, that's the main thing. Isaiah Jackson, you know, if he could score, I would love him. But, you know, defensively, he's awesome, and he blocks everything in sight. So, um, yeah, those are my just general takeaways on that. Yeah, and I uh, 
I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I mean, Alabama top to bottom is crazy. And I mean, the fact that Josh Primo still doesn't have, I feel like it's on of NBA hype uh, is kind of crazy to me because I, I just, I see the upside is just crazy high for him. Um, and Herb Jones doesn't get enough love as well, just to kind of add on to that. Uh, one question I had for you, because Jared and I have debated this, I think in the past. Uh, so again, curious to get your perspective but who do you think is the best Kentucky prospect like if you had to choose who you would take first in the draft from anybody on that Kentucky roster who are you taking I think I'd still go BJ Boston just on an upside play just it depends where you're picking also I think but yeah I, yeah I'd, I'd still take a swing on Boston I think he's someone that's going to take it's just like you know pre or not pre-draft uh pre-college film was like nutty and he just needs to get back to that confidence. And so I'd, I'd be willing to take probably risk on him. I'm not too high on Terrence Clark, honestly. Um, and Isaiah Jackson, I have him as like a fringe first, you know, um, maybe like early second, but uh, BJ I, for now, just like the on pure upside, that's probably my top choice. I'm, I'm yeah. totally with you there. I, I was actually curious. So at what point would you want to take that gamble, do you think? And obviously I know like situation has a lot to do with things like that, but you know, just kind of in in a vacuum, where do you think you, you feel comfortable taking a guy like that? I think anywhere like after the lottery, probably. Like um, maybe even like the 14th pick is as high as that at this point. But obviously there's still a lot of season left and he's not progressing. Like he's had a few flashes here and there where it's like maybe he's starting to wake up a little bit. But um, if he can put it to, like together a really strong stretch, he still has a chance to go lottery, I think, for sure. But um, at the moment, like I'd probably say somewhere in that, you know, lottery mid first range. All right. So do you think Alabama is the best team in the SEC? Because to me, it's it's Alabama or Tennessee personally. But what do you guys think? Um, I think Tennessee has the most talent. But right now, Alabama is the best team. Like, if Tennessee can get everything to click and, they, like, they get on the same page and use their guards a little better, I think, um, give Springer some more some more leash. And um, I think they should start Springer and Johnson together to uh, put Josiah Jordan James off the bench just to give him a, a different look. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Tennessee, if they click, they definitely have the highest potential, but right now the way Alabama's playing, you know, I'm going to take them. I think they're probably one of this, like, I wouldn't even say sneaky anymore, but just one of those teams I think has <laughs> a legit chance to make a final four run for sure. Yeah. They're, they're legit. Like, I mean, I said it before, they're crazy good top to bottom and, and I mean, Alabama beat Tennessee too, which at the mm-hmm. time was an upset and now it's just kind of normal. Uh, I I also have Alabama, and I completely agree with everything you said. I really can't even add anything. I mean, the talent is better on Tennessee, uh, especially in terms of NBA talent, but they just don't know how to use them, right? Like, we were talking about it before. If they figured out how to use Keon and Jaden, right? I mean, that's a a game changer. Like, that's an unstoppable team. Absolutely. Um, Go ahead. I was going to say, do you want to just go into Tennessee versus Mississippi State? Yeah, that's a good segue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's hit Tennessee-Mississippi State. This is not a game that I saw, uh, but it was a really close game. Tennessee ended up winning 56-53. Um, I do think that, and again, I'm somewhat box score scouting here, but seeing that Mississippi State shot 
under 33% from the field, you know, were held to 53 points that uh, Tennessee's bread and butter to me was defense, even just going into the season. Again, guys like, you know, Eve Pons and Keon Johnson, both really high level defenders. And then, you know, the, the whole Tennessee program in general, Rick Barnes does a really good job with them on that front. Um, but, you know, for, for having actually watched the game, um, is that accurate? Sorry, what was the question? So, sorry. So I was kind of box score scouting it and, you know, yeah. seeing that they were, you know, held to a, a poor field goal percentage. So, you mm-hmm. know, were, were they as defensively impressive as the box score shows? Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. T- Tennessee. Yeah, I think so. It was, it was a kind of a combination like, you know, Tennessee plays kind of ugly basketball in a way, <laughs> but just where they're just trying to grind out every possession, especially defensively. They play hard. So I think that kind of took a toll on their offense as well because they didn't shoot very well either. So uh, in Mississippi State, they have some dudes that can that can fill it up, you know, so I. You know, DJ Stewart, he's kind of a, a sleeper I've, I've liked and, you know, they held him to four of 13 shooting. Um, Iverson Molinar is another guy that's, that's he, he had a pretty solid game. He's like the only one on their team that really found any rhythm. So um, I think just the weapons Tennessee has defensively, they could kind of switch everything. They're just super athletic and they just disrupt everything. That's that's what makes them, to me, a team like if you're in, in March Madness and you have to play them, it's just not going to be a fun experience. So um, definitely impressed by their defense. Offensively, they still have a long ways to go. Um, they're still trying to figure out a lot of things, but yeah, I was, I was definitely very impressed by their defense. Yeah. And Iverson, anybody with a first name Iverson, I feel like uh, just <laughs> shout out long-term. There's no way I'm turning him down. Like I Alan Iverson is one of my favorite players growing up. So uh, shout out to him and he's legit good. Like I, I liked him last year too. Um, yeah, no, I, I also unfortunately didn't get to see this game, but uh, I know Jaden Springer had a nice game, nine points, five assists, four rebounds on three of seven shooting. Uh, again, the usage is kind of weird. Just 25 minutes and only seven shots just seems so wrong. Granted, he got to the line a couple times, but man, and, and again, just box score scouting here. I didn't unfortunately get to watch this one, but it would be really nice to see him played at a higher usage. Um, who, who do you have higher ranked, Brandon, Jaden Springer or Keon Johnson on your board? Uh, right now I have Jaden Springer higher. I have him ninth and I have Keon 14th. So um, both lottery guys, I think Keon has, he's a little bit more raw, like offensively, he still has a long way to go. Um, but defensively, I mean, that guy's a freak. It's like, that's why I love this Tennessee team. They have just so many guys. Like, and you have uh, Yves Pond, who's just insane. He makes a play like every night that you're just like, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so Tennessee is really fun to watch, like for, on a play-by-play basis. But as a whole, it's very, uh, it can get ugly sometimes offensively. So they they do need to find a better way to use uh, Springer, get him more involved um, offensively. Because I think, you know, he's also kind of trying to, you know, as a freshman on an older team, like find his identity and his role without overstepping. So it's kind of a balancing process. Uh, that's actually, I, I'm pretty sure that's the highest I've, I've seen Springer at this point. Do you want to kind of break down his game a little and and tell me a bit about him? Yeah, so super bouncy. He can score at all three levels. Really good finisher, good frame. It's it's just like with guys like that, it's hard to find like too many like weaknesses that are glaring. So I think he, he has a chance to be someone that, you know, you can play 
Um, he can handle like some occasional, you know, primary duties, but he's more of a secondary offensively, I think. And um, just his ability to score and defend at a high level. It's just, those are the type of prospects that, you know, you just bet on to develop. And, you know, I've seen, I've actually seen someone uh, rank him above Jalen Suggs. I think it's a, uh, wow. Yeah. The, I'm not there yet, but uh, <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, there's some people that are even higher than me on him, but um, yeah, I, I definitely like his game. I just think when you have a player that can, that just doesn't have too many weaknesses, they have the frame that you, you want in an NBA guard, then teams will see that and just be like, you know, you can make it into your own mold and fit your system. So um, probably a little bit higher than most right now, but I, I just think it's kind of betting on like a long-term play. And what do you think, Richard? Yeah, I'm I'm still not there on Jaden Springer. He's still like he's going to go first round. I probably have him first round grade. Uh, I'm still not there on the lottery. I just need to probably watch more better games of his because uh, I'm probably sticking too much to like the Cincinnati game that I saw early in the year. It's probably just like that first bias. Um, but the shot, I mean, the shot is so nice. That is uh, like like you said, Brandon, three level scoring. I fully buy. Uh, I just need to figure out how much I buy it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And I feel like if he wasn't at Tennessee and he was in a place where he could kind of showcase a little more of his, you know, a faster pace offense, I feel like the numbers would be a lot better and you could see more of those flashes. But right now, obviously I'm, I'm betting on more improvement by having him ranked there kind of uh, sort of like BJ Boston a little bit, except he hasn't been as, as brutal uh, <laughs> early, early on, but yeah, so for me, I'd like to overcorrect later on and just stay high on them now if I have to. But um, I've been, for the most part, you know, I think he's just going to end up being a solid two-way guard at the next level. Awesome. I, I like that philosophy, too, of just sticking to your guns. And then if, you know, if it turns out you were wrong, you were wrong, and you'll you'll correct later. So um, no, I'm a fan of that. Um, you want to stay right. in the SEC? Yeah, they'll stay in the SEC. That, that's they're great at football. They're great at basketball. Whatever. Uh, so Missouri Auburn, um, Missouri's also a really good team right now. I, I don't know if if they have any you know standout prospects. I'm I'm sure they've got to have some guys who are future NBA players. Um, anybody on that roster that that we need to be keeping an eye on. I mean, I say Jeremiah Tillman might be their best. Uh, you can make the argument. I mean, Drew Smith is probably the other one. I would say those are the two. Um, what do you think, Brandon? Yeah, uh, Drew Smith is probably, I would probably have him ranked the highest. I think he's more of like a two-way contract type of guy. Um, I don't think he's going to get drafted, but um, same with Xavier Pinson. He seems like a guy that could be like either G League guy or like overseas guy. Um, and Till, like Tillman, I need... I think he's he's had some like really impressive flashes, but I think he's probably uh, someone I need to see more of before I throw out an opinion uh, on him that's too harsh or um, anything like that. But yeah, I think they definitely have some guys that are no one's like a standout prospect, but just you know guys that are going to probably have a chance to fight for a spot either training camp or G League. Well, I think the one guy that was a standout prospect in this game is Sharif Cooper. Was obviously kind of just taken the NCAA by storm since he's been, you know, able to return to play. Um, in a six-point Auburn win, he had 28 points, 18 of 21 from the line, which is just insane. 28 points, seven assists, eight rebounds. 
Um, I mean, what what if, what do you think about Cooper and the you know limited time that we've had to see him so far? I was telling Richard before coming on, I was ready to gush about uh, Nate Oates <laughs> and Sharif Cooper. So there you all go. about it. He is the most fun. Like I will schedule an appointment to watch him play anytime <laughs> Auburn's playing. Like I'll build my day around that. Uh, he's easily the most fun player to watch in college basketball right now. Like if I told you a six foot guard, like that can't shoot is like a top 10 prospect. I have him 10th right now. He's a top 10 prospect. You'd call me crazy, but that's where we're at right now. I think just his passing and like his manipulation and just like the way he leads people with the passes, like just, that's just like unheard of. That's just like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's just very fun to watch. He just gets in the paint whenever he wants and 21 free throws is absurd. So just really fun player to watch and someone that I think, you know, despite his like concerns, like there's there's a very good chance he's someone that translates at the next level just because he's doing at such a high level. And it's yes, it's only been six games, but he's pretty much dominated and got wherever he wanted despite his deficiencies. So um, very fun prospect all aboard the Sharif Cooper train. <laughs> yeah. And what's crazy about it is, I mean, he faced a good like I referenced uh, Jeremiah Tillman. He, he's a good rim protector for the college level. He had six yeah. blocks in this game. And he ate him up like it was it was insane. He, I, I really do think I agree. Most fun player in college. Uh, Jared said he had the best handle uh, on last week's episode. And I mean, it just couldn't be. I, I feel like there's just not enough good things you can say about the guy. And I really do think the shot develops. I mean, 18 of 21. It's the shot is worth buying. It's weird. It's not good form, but it's not broken. I wouldn't say so. Like if he can be average from three, I mean, I, I really do think he has superstar potential and all it's doing with him emerging is just adding to this top heaviness of the class. Like it is loaded with star potential at really the top 10. I mean, you can make the case even further than the top 10. Definitely. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. Um, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little more worried about his shot. I think, uh, I, I think there's, definitely some mechanical things he needs to to switch up i don't love that he's got a set shot especially at his size um but i mean i I do think it'll be interesting to see because there's there's not a ton of small you know really legitimately undersized guards who can't shoot that that find a lot of success in this league Um, but there's also not very many who can handle like him and who have his vision um is is there like a ha, have either of you thought of a, a comparison for him that you like or, or someone I mean, he all, reminds you of this is it's a stupid comparison but the only one is offensively i mean kind of john wall but i mean that's like that's a bad one that's a bad example like getting to the the way he gets to his spots at ease and like the passing and plays at the same speed but like it's not a true comparison that's as best as i can come up with yeah, the best I can come up with is like young Chris Paul offensively a little bit, just with how. Yeah. But like even that's not there's no perfect comparison for him. So right. I'm not calling him Chris Paul at all. Um, he's defensively he's he's not there at all, and Paul's a better shooter, obviously. But just the way he sees the floor, I think, and just you know it doesn't matter how small he is, he just gets whatever he wants. Kind of reminds me of Paul at times, but yeah, there's there's not really a perfect comparison. Yeah, I totally see that because he's and he could be somewhere totally in between because I don't he, he doesn't have that explosiveness that that John Wall had coming up. And he's 
you know, he doesn't have the shot that Chris Paul's always had, but, you know, if he can find a little bit of this and a little bit of that and have his own way of doing things, yeah, there's there's no question he's going to be an effective NBA player um, and definitely one that'll be fun to watch for a really long time. Um, were there any other games this past week that you guys wanted to touch on, or, or do you guys maybe want to preview some of uh, the upcoming games for this weekend and beyond? Uh, I watched uh, Arizona, Arizona State, obviously, because I'm here in Arizona, and that's a big deal. Okay. So they actually played each other twice within, uh, I think it was like five, four or five days. So that was interesting. Um, the buzzer beater by Tabellis in the first game after ASU was kind of pulled yes. away. Um, that was a that was a crazy game, just typical Pac-12 after dark. Um, <laughs> a lot of fun. Remy Martin is, is a psychopath. That dude plays... <laughs> Like, I'm, I don't know. He's just crazy. And Josh Christopher is, is an NBA guy that, you know, he can score. Um, he's athletic, fun to watch. And then Benedict uh, Matherin from Arizona. Sleeper, kind of like Josh Primo, I think, in that same boat where he's had such a breakout season that everyone tabbed him as like a 2022 guy. But he's playing so well, he might be drafted this year. So that's a name to watch. Um, yeah, Arizona ended up winning both games. And almost blew a huge lead in the second game. And so, yeah, that was just typical Pac-12 basketball. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, that's actually one that I still need to watch. Uh, and Arizona State always has my attention because I really like Bagley and Christopher. Yeah. And Remy Martin is just an entertaining point guard. I don't know what his NBA future holds, but uh, at the very least, he's a very fun uh, point guard. Another game I watched, and I'm going to plug I'm gonna plug you in this, Brandon. Uh, so in your mock that you put out on, on your Patreon, you had them, the Mavs taking Trace Jackson Davis, and uh, I watched his game versus Rutgers, and I, I don't remember if he had like a game-saving play or not, but he played really well. Uh, or no, they lost. I'm sorry, I'm thinking of a different game, but he played really well, and uh, I, I still can't figure out what he brings to the NBA though, uh, because of the lack of the jump shot. Because I like his defense, but I just don't know where he gets the minutes without being able to really isolate guys and uh, take him off the dribble consistently and shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? What do you think his lack of like? Do you think his lack of a jump shot is a fatal flaw? Do you think he can overcome it? Um, where do you see him? Because you had him at fifty-one to Dallas. Um, at, yeah, fifty-one. Yeah, he, he's someone uh, coming into the year I was a little bit higher on as a returner because I thought he was going to develop that jump shot a little bit, expand out, and he hasn't really shown that. So I think it is a pretty fatal flaw to have as, as a big that he's kind of in that tweener mold too. Um, but was he four? Is he a five? So. Definitely think like in the late second, it's a good value play to just kind of see what you have with him. Because, you know, he can he has some really high defensive flashes that just pop. Um, but offensively, just I think at this point, you just kind of have to accept he's a rim runner. If you can develop a, a shot over time, great. But it's not something I'm very um, high on at this moment. And I've kind of cooled on him a little bit. Um, so I'm not sure if that'd be the best fit for Dallas as far as what they need. Because I do know they need some rim protection, pick and roll defense. So... Um, there's probably some some better options out there for sure, but um, definitely someone I've slowly cooled on throughout the from the start of the year to where we are now. Yeah, completely understandable. Um, what games are you looking forward to this weekend? Are there? I know there's one that jumps out for tomorrow that I uh, kind of sorry to steal the question. Uh, kind of just 
going off of what we were just talking about, Auburn plays Baylor. Uh, that's yes. Jared Butler versus Sharif Cooper. I think that's the most watched matchup of the week. Uh, and I haven't even looked at like next Thursday or Wednesday, something like that. But I mean, I really don't think that one's getting topped, right? Oh yeah, no, that's definitely the best game tomorrow, like hands down. I that one, um, Kansas Tennessee should be fun. Um, and let's see what else. Alabama I know Kentucky Oklahoma Texas. be good. Yep, and I know Kentucky Texas got canceled. That would have been one of yeah. them too. Oh, Oklahoma State, Arkansas is another one. Um, obviously, if Cade's playing, Cade versus Moody. Another that's that's two first round matchups in the Big Twelve SEC challenge. Like that's going to be that's always the most fun event for me. Uh, all because I'm biased, uh, being in Big Twelve territory and pretty much technically SEC. Uh, but I do love that matchup just because of how much NBA talent has grown in those two areas or two conferences. Excuse me. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully Cade plays. Um, but yeah, Moody, definitely someone that's caught my eye too. Lottery guy. I think he's like a perfect, I don't want to say like role player because that just like puts him in a box, but he's just <laughs> at the moment, I think he can carve out like a useful role right, right away. Just as a three and D guy with even more upside, just with his ability to get to the line and, you know, hopefully developing other areas of his game. So that'll be a good one. I, I think uh, Villanova Seton Hall could be a fun game too. Um, obviously Sandro is insane. Um, and you know, Villanova's got a couple guys as well and, you know, number three in the nation, but, but coming off, you know, um, the, the loss, uh, sorry, the, the not so great game against, um, Seton Hall the last time it was a close game. So, um, you know, being that it's just like their third game since they went on that long-term quarantine, um, that could be a fun one to watch as well. Yeah. LSU versus Texas Tech should be interesting too. Um, should be a good test for, for Texas Tech against, you know, LSU is like eight and one in conference right now. So that'll be good. Yeah. Very excited to see Terrence Shannon versus uh, Cam Thomas. Not necessarily directly, but um, yeah. I. What do you think of Cam Thomas? We've, I think Jared and I have talked about this a little bit uh, because of his play style is rather polarizing. How how high are you on him? I'm probably on the lower end. Like I, offensively, I think you know he's just someone that I think could be a really good like six man in the league. Just someone you bring off the bench for instant yeah. offense. But the issue with him like is. I don't think he's going to get the amount of volume that he needs to be a successful scorer as he's getting at LSU. This dude, he takes a lot of shots and he doesn't really play defense. So um, kind of a lost cause defensively right now, but there's definitely room to grow on that end. So I'm not ruling out that he figures it out, but um, I'm probably on the lower end right now, but I could see him being a like dynamite six man scorer for a long time. Yeah, I was actually going to ask something kind of similar between him and Josh Christopher, because I know we, we had that discussion when we did our dueling big boards of which one of those guys do you like more? Because I think they're they're somewhat similar in that, you know, just being volume scorers and, you know, what else do they give you? Yeah, I, I lean Christopher. They are pretty similar archetypes, though, for sure. Um, I think I've seen a few more like defensive flashes from Christopher where you know, most of them are just based off him using his athleticism, just, you know, getting back in transition, blocking shots, um, just doing like little things where I'm like, you know, I could see it working out with him on that side of the floor. But um, there's not a huge gap at this moment. 
one other game uh, that I want to throw out there, and just because I know y'all are, y'all are both big Corey Kispert fans, I have to do this uh, since I got both <laughs> y'all here. But Gonzaga Pepperdine, because Pepperdine actually has you know two guys that might make an NBA roster at some point, Kessler Edwards and uh, Colby Ross. I think that's another one to put on there. Obviously, Gonzaga is probably not going to lose uh, just because they're the best team by a landslide in the country. Uh, but y'all want to go ahead and uh, and <laughs> I don't even know the word. Just like Corey Kisper, I mean, best shooter in the draft, right? First of all. Oh yeah, yeah, easily. Yeah, no, Jared. Jared uh, originally had told me I think top fifteen. Or he started with like top twenty in the preseason, and I was like, eh, maybe. And then like Gonzaga came out just hot. He was like, all right, top 15. And then he just kept going. I'm expecting him at some point just to say top five. Like, <laughs> he's he's 10 for me right of, now. Yeah. And and I know, uh, Brandon, in your in your latest mock draft, you had him going 12, which would be – I mean, I, I would hope teams learn from Desmond Bain, who all three of us were huge fans of. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you see it every year, the best shooter like, in the class. Even Cam if Johnson. Who, <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, your own guy, who yeah. I was very wrong about. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just like, when will these teams learn that like the best shooters usually translate? Like, I, I just, I don't see why he wouldn't go lottery. I don't see why there's a reason for him not to. Yeah. I think there's, there's a pretty high chance he's going to end up being a positive role player and just going to get minutes right away because his shooting gravity alone is just insane. So, um, I think he'll be, obviously I don't think he has like star potential or anything. So it depends who's drafting. If it's a lottery team that, you know, thinks that they have a chance next year. They're more in win now mode. I think Kispert makes a ton of sense. Uh, but if you're a rebuilding team trying to take a swing, probably not the best option. Um, unless you're trying to, unless you already have your engine to your offense and you're trying to surround him with floor spacing. So um, definitely think he should be lottery at this point and big fan of him. And um, also Pepperdine. They've been a little disappointing this year, but heading into the year, big fan of Kessler Edwards and Coley Ross. So that'll be a fun game. They'll probably lose by 20, but. Um, I, I still I like I like both those guys as like Kessler probably a second round guy Ross like a UDFA camp invite type guy so um, that'll be an interesting game with some some prospects that are fun to watch. Yeah, and and it's funny though that twenty is actually like kind of a nice thing to say like losing by twenty to Gonzaga is like a very respectable <laughs> honor. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the line is for that. Let's see. I was I was gonna say that might be covering the spread. <laughs> <laughs> look for that right now you know who's gonna get Corey kispert now that you say that i'm thinking about this and it only makes so much sense because draft Pelicans. twitter really likes no close though draft oh. twitter loves Corey kispert which means it's gonna be the grizzlies oh, like no. it makes sense they would have the, yes. best, the best shooter from the last two drafts <laughs> it's just I, the writing is on know, the wall. we can all see it <laughs> i could see that for sure another thing is i think james jones would take him if he had the first pick because he just loves yeah. <laughs> he'd probably trade that up for him and take him Jones first. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's he was like coming into the year, even before his breakout. I was like, Corey Kispert is a James Jones guy, and now it's like he's probably played, <laughs> might have played his way out of being in the Suns' range, depending on how they finish the year out. So <laughs> yeah, the line is twenty-one. Is true. There, so twenty-one. Okay, so there you I go. <laughs> hey, I mean, I do the picks every day. I can, uh, I can. You guys can co-sponsor this one. Choose Pepperdine to cover. <laughs> so you got that uh, that sign off. Um, I guess uh, if we're kind of done previewing um, next week, I guess one thing we can maybe close with. Um, again, we we dropped our you know 
big boards, so to speak, not too long ago. Um, are there any prospects that you think, you know, deserve more love than they're getting uh, at this point and, and who might a couple of those guys be? So, yeah, number one would be Bones Highland out of ECU. I think when you ask, like, is Corey Kispert the best shooter in the class? You like I paused for a second because I was thinking about Bones Island, but I'd still give that to Kispert. Um, I think Highland's probably the clear number two at this point. Like his shooting versatility is insane. Like he shoots from deep. He has like sidesteps. Um, you know, he, he just has no like defenders do not phase him at all. And it's just fun to watch, especially when he, get, he gets in his groove. So he's he's a name to watch. I, I have him as a first round guy, which I know is higher than most. But I think his shooting and he's a pretty long wingspan too, and he, he gets a lot of deflections and steals. So there's something there. He's not a true point guard, but just an off guard that can really light it up. Um, another one that's not a point guard, but kind of a combo guard that I just wrote about, Miles McBride out of uh, West Virginia. He's not on ESPN's top 100, which should be a crime. Uh, and I just love watching him play. Def- like defensively, he's awesome. A little undersized, and like that's definitely a red flag. And like he's going to need to you know, show some more playmaking um, duties and just work on his, uh, like his, his pull-up shot's pretty legit at this point, but he needs to like add a more complete offensive game. But another fun guy and um, who else? Benedict uh, Matherin from Arizona, which we had talked about earlier. Another sneaky guy that I really like. So those are probably the three that off the top of my head that stand out the most. Some great names too, Benedict and Bones. I mean, come Benedict, on. Yeah. Bones and Deuce. How can you be down on Bones? <laughs> awesome. Uh, anything else that you guys wanted to, to touch on before we close out? Well, kind of to elaborate, uh, Brandon, your piece on on Bones Highland, like it is, you sold me. Like it is unbelievably thorough, and like I, I've every time I've seen Bones now play, it's just like I see, I literally in my head, I like see the scouting report like just pop up. I'm like, dang, like everything is right. So like I don't even feel like I need to watch him anymore. Uh, <laughs> it would just be for like clicks if I needed to, but no, it's legit like the best, uh, definitely the most thorough scouting report I feel like I've ever read of any player. So definitely, uh, if y'all can check it out, like his Patreon is a hundred percent worth it. Um, uh, like I, I'm a subscriber, uh, or I guess what's he called? Uh, Yes, I'm a patron. Patron. Uh, patron. <laughs> so use yeah. the formal term, my bad. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> no, 100% worth it. It's only how much is it? Uh, $3 or, or five, whatever. If you, if you have a couple yeah. bucks, you know, appreciate Best it. Best money to spend. Best money to spend. Really appreciate that, man. It means a lot. And uh, yeah, he's it's very fun to watch. And uh, I have a lot more. We have a ton of scouting reports coming out within the next few months. So it's going to be hectic but fun and can't wait <laughs> so speaking of which where where's the what's the best way for people to find your patreon and the other work that you're doing uh you can just follow me on twitter just at az sports zone like go by zona you know all my stuff's there so appreciate the plugs and appreciate you guys having me on we appreciate you joining it's been a lot of fun uh hopefully we could have you back uh later on maybe for uh, round two of Mavs Suns and uh, looking forward to, to discussing a little more. So uh, thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.